All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena and you, you see how championships are made. Players play, tough players win. It's downtown, breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Check good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is the Impact E-Zone. Your host, Andrew Hayes. Hello, and welcome to the Impact E-Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes, with you again. And this time, it's just the usual crew, me and Blake. Blake, how how many different paper shredders have you thrown your uh, your bracket through? Uh, I, th- I think I ran out of paper shredders. I-, I went down to the store the other day and people were already doing the same thing. You know, it's just kind of maddening. I just switched to, uh, to lighter fluid, just set the darn thing on fire. But, uh, on the bright side, even though my bracket stinks, Michigan State basketball is looking pretty good so far. A little bit of a scare tonight, but, uh, started off the, the, uh, the tournament with a 93-78 to win over the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. Adrian Payne absolutely went outside of his mind for 41 points, broke a tournament record, 17 of 17 uh, free throws. Uh, 41 points, obviously, his career high, and a new Michigan State record for just in the tournament, right? Yeah. Okay. New Michigan State tournament record shot uh, 67% from the floor. Just, I mean, the guy couldn't have done more. No, well, he uh, certainly helped out with his draft stock a little bit, but but like he said, like uh, like you said, he did just about everything. He was stellar from behind the line. I think he he started off one point four threes in a row. He did it from the inside, and it's just gonna scare teams looking ahead in the bracket and seeing that they could face Michigan State coming up. Even their best big man, that's gonna be tough for anybody to be able to try to match up with him. I mean, the biggest thing I think about that game was it was just such a balanced attack in the way that, I mean, you got four different Michigan State players in double figures. You have one, Travis Trice. He has 19 off the bench. Travis Trice's ability to just catch fire and to really be a spark plug for this team, I think, goes completely unnoticed because you look at, and it's not entirely his fault or anybody else's fault. When you have a team that has Gary Harris, Brandon Dawson, Adrian Payne, Keith Applin, guys who can fly and make spectacular plays, guys like Travis Trice who just go out there, shoot jump shots, and mean mug everybody, are they're going to get lost in, in the shuffle. But that his, his performance in that game, 7 of 8 from the field, he missed one three-pointer. That was his only miss, and he missed one free throw. Those were the only two shots that he missed while he was on the court. I mean, that that was the spark that Michigan State needed to really just put that game away. Well, especially with Appling only scoring four points and taking only four shots and Valentine getting in foul trouble early, only playing 17 minutes. I mean, they leaned on Trice in the backcourt as the guy that they needed to step up and kind of pick up the scoring load, especially when De- Delaware started to cut into the lead early in the second half. He was the one that got to kind of like put it rejuvenated them, especially uh, with, with Payne carrying everybody. I mean, it was basically him against everybody else. But Payne, or excuse me, uh, Trice, he, he really did a great job of coming off the bench and, and hitting his shots, not really forcing anything, as you can tell by the stellar shooting mark. And that's what they really need him to do, even if he doesn't score 19 points. They just need him to come in, maybe give Appling a breather, especially when he's been s- struggling, and he can really step up without the loss in, in skill level. 
Well, that's the beauty of it. And you, you know, he's he's obviously I think he's limited a lot by his by his physical. You know, he's not a big guy. He's not particular. He's not real strongly built. He's obviously not uh, you know not soft by any means, but he is. Uh, he's not the the physical specimen that that Appling is, but his jump shot is awesome. He's got a really, really nice jumper, and he's starting to develop a floater that I think will really make him a, 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 a much more effective point guard moving forward because he does have a, a, a pretty good court vision too, and, and his ability to pass the ball is is coming along. I don't think it's all the way where it needs to be yet. He, had, uh, he didn't have any assists yesterday. Today he had, where is that? Right there he had two he had two assists uh two turn no turnovers so he i mean he had a quieter night tonight too he only had five points but he comes in and he gives you solid minutes and i think he's he's doing a really good job on the defensive end as well which is tough when you you know you think about the fact that he's coming in for keith appling who's one of the best defenders in the nation um it's uh it's a good thing it's a great option to have off the bench um moving on talking about tonight's game Harvard gave Michigan State a little bit of a scare. The uh, the final was uh, seventy three to eighty. Michigan State took that one. Just missed the cover by a point and a half. Needed to put Wetzel in there at the final couple <laughs> minutes, I guess. But um, Brandon Dawson was was the man tonight. Twelve of fifteen from the field, mostly because he's sh- he's shooting a lot of jump shots. Um, but or not jump shots. Uh, put tip ins, layups, putbacks, whatever. Uh, career high 26 for him just one board shy to shy of a uh of a double double when he plays like that this team i don't think can lose no well i said i've been saying it all year he is the team's x factor and he's just another matchup nightmare really for defenses because he's not really big enough to be a traditional power forward even though that's what he plays but he can jump out of the gym and he's really starting to develop that jumper that little mid-range shot that he hasn't had basically for his whole career so that's going to really help because mostly teams if he got it anywhere outside of the paint they would just sag back on him and make him come to the defense but now he's added another dimension and, and it's just working out phenomenally for him i really thought gary harris needed to wake up and and put in a not a dominating performance but just kind of to remind people that he's there and I think he did that tonight 18 points he had four turnovers which you don't like did have five assists but I think especially down the stretch I was really impressed with the way that he stepped up and he hit some shots that I think won Michigan State that game he he hit one deep three late in the game um, to uh, to bring Michigan State back I think that was when State was down two. It was the first lead that Harvard had of the day, and Gary came down on the other end and and nailed that that three from about two feet behind the line. That was, I think, that was where I finally settled in and said, "Okay, Michigan State's going to win this game." Yeah, well, he's he's the kind of calming presence. He can have days where he's not going to shoot particularly well, but when it comes down to it, if you need someone to kind of stop the momentum of the other team, you're going to pick Gary Harris to make that shot all day. He lives for those big moments, and he proved it tonight, uh, hitting those deep threes, especially in transition, too. He wasn't always just catch and shoot. He was good off the dribble and, and just making plays for himself, and he wasn't really forcing it too much. Sometimes he tries to make plays out of nothing, which is the kind of guy that he is, but he's going to get you back into any kind of game. 
I was, uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those games that had that feeling for a second that maybe, maybe Sparty's in some trouble here, but, and you know, there's, there's those points in, in games where you say, okay, if, if Michigan State doesn't score here, then we, we really are in trouble. And, and the beauty of this game was every time it got to that point, Michigan State scored that bucket that they needed to really stay within it and stay, you know, out ahead of of this this onslaught from Harvard. And I thought Harvard played a heck of a game. I mean, they you can't take anything away from them. They they went out and they fought. They they beat Michigan State on the uh uh defensive or not defensive uh rebounding numbers, thirty two to thirty. Uh, they had four guys in double figures, led by uh, what's Saunders' first name here? Wesley Saunders. I mean, that was that was a good game from Harvard, and this really goes to show. I thought I don't know if you saw this today. Uh, Graham Couch from the Lansing State Journal wrote a fantastic uh, column that I had never even thought about it this way, um, talking about how we shouldn't be as surprised as we are when a five seed beats a 12 seed which i had never thought about before but when you when the way that his reasoning for it was you take an ohio state who is a they were an okay team in a power conference that that's the big 10 and big 10 teams get a lot of the benefit of the doubt because as i've said all year it's the sec football mentality that because they play in just this fantastic conference that's why these teams lose as much as they do whereas we don't really know until we get to the tournament and now we're finding out um whereas you've got like a harvard who comes in at a to what were they 10 seed 12 seed 12 12 they come in at a 12 seed because one of the big factors for seeding is rpi and because a Harvard team isn't going to have anywhere near the strength of schedule that a Michigan State team is because of their conference. And, you know, you, you look at a Dayton where the power, conf- or the power teams in the, in the state won't play them because of the implications of what happens if Ohio State loses to Dayton. We saw what happens there. But I think that's a very, a very interesting take on, on this because it's, it's, I think it's pretty it – it holds a lot of water. I don't know, because who, I mean, and, and and you really see it every year. Would the, the 12 seeds went, what, 3-1 and one this year? 3-1, and one. and you look at another team, Stephen F. Austin, they there were they ran off a huge win streak, mm-hmm. second longest in the nation but behind Wichita State, and there were still discussions that if they weren't going to win their tournament, they might not have still not made, a, made the tournament, which is just, absurd considering their record i think they only had like two losses by like 10 points total Mm -hmm. but they just don't play in a in a in a good conference but that's really not their fault when they can't get that good competition uh but they were they've shown it that they deserved it they beat vcu on a miraculous play to send it to overtime and i think they have a good chance of beating uh or ucla uh on sunday so you just got to Look, I think you have to give teams more of the benefit of the doubt, and I think this is where a team like Green Bay might have had a chance if they would have gotten an okay seat, if they would have gotten into the tournament, let them see what they can do. Even just put them in the playing game. I think it's just more entertaining to f- see those young teams, those uh, smaller teams that don't give the credit, maybe have a chip on their shoulder. They'll play just a little bit harder and give those bigger teams a really good run for their money. Well, I mean, we saw it in that Dayton game. I, 
and I I pointed that one out as one to to watch for because I really thought that that in-state rivalry and that that fire would would kind of play a role in that game, and I think we did see it in in that that Dayton performance, and that was that was a heck of a game there. And then the fact that they came out and beat Cuse, I don't think anybody would have. That was that was just unbelievable. And you, th- I, I thought for sure Cuse was going to hit a three there at the end to to seal it, but that that was one where that's that's when you start busting out the lighter fluid because your bracket's done when Dayton's taking out Syracuse. That just doesn't happen. Yeah, well, Syracuse has been having scoring problems all year, and they continued it uh, today. 0 for 10 from behind beyond the arc. I don't care who you're playing. If it's in March, you're not going to win going 0 for 10 from behind the arc. And they do play great defense. I mean, they only gave up 55 points. But when you can't score, defense doesn't really help you out that much. And it was their downfall, and it's been their downfall in all of their losses. And you look at that. That was such an ugly game. Mm-hmm. It was, what was it? 18 to 20 at halftime. Mm-hmm. Dayton was leading, and then they only they scored 70 points total in overtime. It was, it was bad. It was an ugly game. Not quite as ugly as that uh, slew um, Louisville game. Mm. God, that was painful to watch. It was like pulling teeth. Oh God! But of course, I watched every single second of it because Monday is right around the corner, and I don't know what the heck I'm going to do from Monday to Wednesday when there's no games on. I'm just gonna curl up in the fetal position and rock back and forth <laughs> weeping it's it's terrifying to think about um but yeah Dayton really they just and they've they've gotten wicked lucky in both their wins because I would I would have bet a lot of money there's there's been three situations that I would have bet from the moment that it left the shooter's hand to it rimming out that I would have bet my life that it would have gone in Tyler Ennis shooting that three at the end of regulation in the uh, Cuse-Dayton game. Uh, Aaron Kraft with that floater as, as time expired in the uh, Dayton-Ohio State game. And uh, the three-pointer from the corner last night in the VCU-Stephen F. Austin game from VCU at the end of overtime that would have won it. Those shots are... I mean, those are heartbreakers. The fact that those didn't go in were, I, I couldn't believe it. Because Aaron Kraft doesn't miss that runner. Tyler Ennis doesn't miss that three-pointer. These are all guys that are, these are both guys that are clutch performers. And and they, they missed, and it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it makes sense because it's March, so that means that nothing makes sense. That's true. So you get the guys that they're performing well all year, but March just makes them that one inch off that can change everybody's bracket, basically. So we, let's look. Uh, let's look forward to the Michigan State, uh, Michigan State Virginia matchup that we got here. I guess we don't know yet if Virginia is moving on. So Virginia and Memphis. I gotta be honest. I didn't watch either the Memphis or the Virginia game. It was Friday night. I had things to do, people to hang out with, uh, pops to consume. Uh, I this is it's it's such a homer comment, but I just really don't see Michigan State losing to to either of those teams. Well, I think Memphis is a really up and down team. They're really hard to figure out. They have some quality wins and they can score at times, but other times they kind of just 
have a letdown performance. I mean, they, they skated by George Washington by five. And then you look at Virginia, who who is sneaky good. I mean, a lot of people didn't even expect them to be close to the one seed. But you got to look at who they've beaten. They, they won the ACC tournament, and they beat Duke. So that should be enough to, to prove to you that they're good. And I think they're... Um, they could pose a really good challenge with Michigan State. They can shoot the ball pretty well, so it'll be uh, which defense probably can can uh, hold out the longest. You just brought up Duke, which reminds me of that the fact that they lost the other day. And I tweeted this out, and I still stand by it. I don't care if you had Duke winning the whole thing. If you don't take a little bit of pleasure in them losing, then I, I just don't think then you're either a Duke fan or there's something wrong with you because everybody loves when Duke loses. Oh, it can completely destroyed my bracket, but I couldn't have been happier. <laughs> I was rooting for Mercer the whole time, and I, I had uh, Duke in the Elite Eight, but I don't really care. Um, anytime you see Duke lose, the world wins. That Mercer team was good, too. They're not. That was not like some fluke. Mm-hmm. That's the difference right there. If you want to... If, if, if anybody ever wants to argue that pure raw talent can take out teamwork, you're out of your mind because that Mercer team made passes that were ridiculous. Absolutely stupid passes that made no sense. And they knew exactly where their teammates were going to be. And it was that crisp, clean, that's the kind of passing that will win you games when you don't have the kind of talent to match up one-on-one with a team like Duke. And I don't know how much longer I can pick Duke you know what I mean? Yeah, they busted the bracket a couple of years ago when they lost to Lehigh. Right. Yeah, that's so. And then they, they've lost to I think, they've lost to a couple teams recently that have been bad, and and they've lost in the first round. I think they've, I think this is their fourth loss in the in the first round, in, I want to say, fourteen, fifteen appearances. Wow. That's not good. I I don't understand how that happens, and I don't know if it's. If it is the effect of, you know, having, having such, you know, kind of flash of the flash in the pan players where it's one and done, and I don't know if that's that's the effect of this, but it's it's really weird, and but I don't think that I will ever stop picking Duke. <laughs> no, they they just look so good on paper. Yeah, and is they just have so much talent. You just don't think that they can lose to these teams. But I think with that Mercer team, they started five seniors the whole year. And that's the difference between Duke and Mercer. Was Duke has a lot of talent, but no experience. And Mercer has a lot of experience and a little bit of talent. But that experience just helps you out so much in March. And in those key pressure situations that a lot of those uh, Duke players really haven't been in their whole careers. And it's completely different different animal in march and that's why i always say experience wins over skill it's yeah you i mean you see it all over the place in in this tournament and i think part of it that probably helped michigan state out a little bit today i think was was being able to you know grind it out there in those late moments um it's uh it really is impressive that and i the next game that i want to talk about and I am so mad because I was so just I th- I didn't think there was any way I was going to be wrong on this one. Wisconsin somehow pulled it out over Oregon. I was so mad, it, and I I I should have known that the moment that I get you know a platform to badmouth Bo Ryan, 
that as soon as I start doing it publicly that people are, you know, he's going to prove me wrong and I'm going to look like an idiot. And, of course, that's exactly what happened. They pulled it out tonight against Oregon. What was the final here? It was uh, 85-77. They somehow covered that game. Just, it was, I've been talking to my buddy about Wisconsin, and I think he made a great point when he said, I know every single player in Wisconsin, and I can't tell you their best player. And it's completely true. And the reason for that is you look at their numbers tonight. They're starting five, 16, 13, 19, 12, and 12. Are you kidding me? What the heck? And this is after the, I've just said nothing but bad things about <laughs> Bo Ryan. I said I don't want him coaching my team in March, and he gets this kind of production. And Well, they, the one thing is, though, they were playing in their backyard in, That's true. in downtown uh, Milwaukee. But still, I mean, Oregon was up in the first half. They like went into halftime up 49-37. to 37, Yeah. And Wisconsin doesn't win games when they score a lot, or when they need to score. And I thought that Oregon was just going to run away with this afterwards. But that crowd helped them so much. And, and Wisconsin does have a lot of experience on their team as well. And they really really surprised me they outscored wisconsin or oregon by 20 points in the second half and that that's just incredible you know i i should and you just kind of touched on this for a second but i think that's the that if wisconsin does go on a little bit of a run here if i think if they survive through the sweet 16 that will point to the fact that this is the that this is the difference between this team and every other Bo Ryan team because this this is the first team that I can remember in forever at Wisconsin that is so good at scoring. Usually they grind you out and you know first team to sixty wins. Maybe this is the difference for Wisconsin that, and this is the way that the NCAA is that if you can score at a high rate, even if your defense isn't top notch. That's that's the formula, and I I don't I don't know that that will work for everybody because I think this Michigan State team feeds a lot off their defense. A, a, a big part of that is because um, they need those transition buckets, but uh, but I it's it's tough to say right now. This Wisconsin team is rolling. You th- this is the kind of win that that will really push you into those further rounds because who, who you came back from 12 down at halftime who's going to beat you now and i i don't know if anybody has a, has an answer for kaminsky that's a big problem for anybody playing wisconsin and you know they've got they got coming up probably all right they got baylor or creighton I'd love to see Dougie McBuckets go up against the buzzcuts that would be mm-hmm. just white boy central <laughs> That'd be that'd be a lot of fun to watch. That'd be incredibly high scoring too. Oh yeah. Oh, just threes raining everywhere. That'd be so fun. But Baylor, that might be an interesting matchup because they like to play a little bit of zone, especially when they have Brady Heslip on the floor because he can't guard his lunch, but he can shoot the lights out. So if they would be forced to play man, if they would have to maybe take him out or Wisconsin would be able to exploit that, that would just be interesting to see how they do that. And I think either either matchup would just be fun to watch, and that's why I love March because every game is fun. I... I was going into convulsions today when there was only one game on. 
I th- uh, I thought the world was ending. Like uh, it was it was such a drag, and for them to just and that's why when Monday rolls around, I'm just gonna be just gonna be inconsolable. I wanted to, uh, I saw this quote today on on Twitter from uh, from Mercer's head coach, uh, Coach uh, Hoffman. So. I don't know if you saw any of the post-game stuff with him, but the guy just looks like an absolute character. I described him as the uncle who drinks too much at Christmas and tells borderline jokes that kind of makes your mom like say, okay, go in the other room. So uh, a reporter asked him, your players mentioned your passion a lot when we were speaking to them. Where does your passion come from? And he responded with, quote, well, I'm a psycho. I mean, I'm just a big psycho. Whatever I do, I'm all in. Whether it's at church worshiping, if it's on the floor coaching, if it's eating fried chicken, getting my iced tea, I'm all in. I'm going to give it all I got. Close quote. <laughs> Mercer is my Florida golf coach this year. I've just decided. And and I'm not going to lie, Dayton is a very close second because I don't know if you saw this today, but Dayton's coach has an absolute smoke show of a wife. God bless. I don't know mm-hmm. how the heck I, that I, happened. I, I did see that. Good for him. But but no, Mercer is I don't know if they're gonna, I don't think they're going to make it to the Sweet 16 cuz who they got in this second game? They got uh Tennessee. Oh man, but that's not even that far fetched. That could be Oh man, I would I would pay some good money to see uh to see Mercer take on Michigan in the uh, <laughs> in the Sweet 16. <laughs> I think I'm worried about this Michigan team right now. I think they can they can go on a little bit of a run too. Oh well, they were just absolutely sh- shooting the lights out to start that game against Texas. I think they had them down 16 within the first 10 minutes, and it was just so fast the way they got up and just made one shot after another, and they were just unstoppable. And you think with Mitch McGarry out, they weren't having uh they wouldn't have a big uh, low post presence. But your boy Jordan Morgan was getting all the praise from the CBS guys, talking about how great he was filling in. And I mean, he's not bad. He's not a, a star player. He fills his role. I'm I'm gonna like kind of help him out here because you attack him every single time it seems like but he fills his role really well and he doesn't take the ball away from the shooters he just does his job gets rebounds puts it back tries to play defense he tries doesn't always succeed and he he doesn't really need to be a big part of that offense well see that's the thing and that's why i i bash on jordan morgan because people are just because they're without Mitch McGarry, everybody wants to just, you know, say, wow, look at how great this guy is doing. But he's not that good. You know, in for what he needs to do, he's fine. And you saw that today. He played he plays in he plays within the system. He doesn't do more than he's asked to and, and for that I respect him and, and, and you know, don't get me wrong, I don't I obviously he's a pretty good basketball player if he's playing at Michigan, but I you know, you see what I think a lot of it has to do with game planning, and, and Rick Barnes at Michigan can't, or not Michigan, Texas can't, he can't game plan for the squad, <laughs> so not entirely surprised at the outcome there, but you think about the way Michigan State played them was, I think, textbook, and it's, you put, if you have an athletic big man, you try to get, you try to get Jordan Morgan on him, and as soon as you have that matchup, you have that athletic big man go at him and make him move his feet and that was the problem with what Texas did today there were a couple points where they didn't 
the the big guy. I don't know who's Texas's big guy. Cameron uh, Ridley, fifty five. Cameron Ridley, thank you. It was he would try to go through him, and I I, I was yelling at my TV. Why in the world would you go through him? Go go around him. He can't move his feet. So I think that's that's part of it, and. You know, he plays serviceable defense, and he's a big body, so that helps. But, you know, I need 15 today. And and that's another thing is if Michigan gets their, their driving game going and if they have GR3 and Walton and if they don't settle for those jump shots like they did against Michigan State because when Michigan got back into that game against Michigan State, it was they went to the hoop, they waited for the help to come, and then they would dish off to Jordan Morgan, and that's where he eats. Because he's not a, I mean, he's not a prolific scorer, but you give him, you give him the ball three feet from the hoop after the help just went over there, he's gonna score. Don't I mean? There's, there's no question about that. And another thing with that Michigan game is, GR three showed up, and that's the biggest question mark for them is what is he gonna do night in and night out? And I think Michigan State kind of has to ask that question of Adrian Payne, because he disappeared again tonight. He had a he had a decent game. All burned out from the forty one. Yeah, points. I guess so. We can't ask him to do forty one every night. But Harvard isn't really a big. They don't have a lot of big guys down low, and that's why I I really thought Payne was gonna. I thought he could go go to work again tonight, but maybe maybe it was just because Brandon Dawson was was doing all the work down low, and you give it to to the hot hand. That was a scary moment when he down, went down holding his hand, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that, but that would be. Uh, I think that's pretty much worst-case scenario for Michigan State right now. Yeah, I mean, you lose Gary Harris, so you can pick up the scoring slack with Payne and a little bit of Valentine, but you lose Brandon Dawson, you lose that offensive rebounding and those putbacks, and just it just adds up. And they said that Michigan State with Brandon Dawson is like 23-3 and three or something like that with him in the lineup, and, and he is that X factor, and he would be the biggest loss on this roster if we were to miss him for the rest of the tournament. And you know, it's tough to tough to really nail down which guy would be the most catastrophic. If anybody went down it would be it would be a real drag. But I think because he is such a factor in all three facets, uh rebounding, defense and offense, not not usually so much on the offense, but just for the offensive rebounding, I think, is is his big role there. I think that's why he is such a big deal for Michigan State and them moving forward that they need they need consistent production out of him not necessarily 26 a night every night but close to a double double i think is if he's doing that it's like i said with Matt Costello when he started kind of getting on a roll obviously his role has diminished a lot as Brandon Dawson has picked it up but that's what you need is you need that second guy down low who's going to grab the boards and take some pressure off of Adrian Payne because I think that was another big thing. Adrian Payne doesn't deal well with, with double teams. He, he hasn't all year, which I don't quite understand, but um, I think having that second big guy down low who can you can play a little bit of a high-low so that way when the help comes, you can, you know, you can work, work off of that guy and uh, and get some production from the post because that is a big part of what Michigan State does is it, a lot of it has to come from down low. Today was an absolutely insane. The, the whole tournament has just been nuts. That 
I almost had a heart attack during that VCU game, and oh I I could not have cared less. I picked Stephen F. Austin. So did I. But th- that game was insane, absolutely insane. And I don't know how that ref slept last night <laughs> after he called that four point play. That was that was absolutely miserable. I mean, you, they, in in this big moment, they always talk about the end of games. Ref sometimes swallow their whistle a little too much. Well, I guess he heard that, and he's like, you know, I'm calling that. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be the guy that lost the game for them because of not calling the foul. And like, oh, he'll he'll probably miss the three anyway, right? And then that happens. And when it first happened, I heard the whistle go, and I was like, the, there's no, and the weird thing was, is usually in that situation, you know, somebody always talks about a four point play, but it it usually pops into my head, and I go, that's never gonna happen. And for some reason, last night I had that pop into my head and think, oh, this is a possibility. And then it happened, and I just didn't know what to do with myself. It was like <laughs> it was like when Cuse hit that buzzer beater in the regular season. It pit. It was. It was so unbelievable. And then the fact that VCU had that wide-open shot at the end of overtime that, like I said, I would have bet a million dollars that when that was in the air that that pup was going in. There was just no doubt in my mind. But somehow this year they're just, with the exception of that Texas game, which, by the way, holy cow, can we box out one time Arizona State? (laughs) I mean, you just let the biggest guy on the court just go straight to the hoop. Mm, I, I, <laughs> I, I I vividly remember that last play, and Arizona State had at least two or three big guys around Cameron Ridley yeah. standing still, letting him get that layup, and I picked Arizona State too, so that made me even more mad. And, oh, just come on. That's just fundamentals right there. I could not. That was one of those that, when it happened in real time, I was like, oh, wow, what a lucky bounce. And then they ran it back and, like, wh- who was that, number 13? I don't know what his name was, but how in God's name do you not box out your man and the biggest dude on the court? Unbelievable. But there's there's literally, I don't think there's enough time in a day to to recap all of the insanity that has gone on. And it's not even madness anymore. It It is literally just, <laughs> it is insane what is going on in these games. And that's why I love it, honestly. Oh my God. It's beautiful. I was talking today, and I wish I could have gotten somebody. I should have tried to get somebody on here. Like, there are people out there, and I've talked about this before, and I always think about this during sporting events that I irrationally lose my mind during like there are people out there who didn't fill out a bracket and are not watching any of the games and could care less about March Madness I want to talk to those people and I would just I just want to know like what they do like, <laughs> like because for the from from 12 o'clock on Thursday until tonight when the Michigan State game ended I think I've stopped watching basketball for like six hours total like, it's just, I don't want to miss anything. Like I said, I've been running two TVs at home just so that I don't <laughs> miss anything. And it, I just don't understand what, like, they either have to be super productive 
or they must watch a thousand hours of Netflix. Oh, I mean that's the only option, Netflix. I mean, what what else is on TV now? I don't even I don't even know. I don't care. Like, <laughs> why, why would I have to Why would I have to look for anything else when when there is the best drama? And that's that's really the thing that gets me with with March is even if you don't care about sports, look at how much fun is going on right now. You can't script this stuff. If you write it, it's going to sound fake. Oh, like it's so fake. <laughs> like oh, S- Stone Cold Stephen F. Austin is gonna beat <laughs> is gonna, is gonna beat VCU, who's been a machine. Yeah, that's that would for sure happen. No, this is this doesn't make any sense. The just the whole who in a million years would have picked Duke to lose to Mercer, except for that one kid. Did you see the kid who uh, hit a perfect bracket after yesterday? And he picked the Mercer. Game? He picked Mercer over Duke, and he didn't submit it to the uh, to the Quicken Loans billion dollar bracket Ooh. thing. He lost today. I think he picked. Uh, oh, he picked Syracuse, obviously, because who the heck would have picked? Yeah, like <laughs> it's it's just I don't I don't know who who can't buy into this. Even if you don't like sports, even if you think it's silly to. Just then try to feed off of what everybody else is getting into. Like, if you can't get behind a guy going out and just giving his all and for no other reason than he wants to win, I think it's unbelievable. I mean, when 11 million people fill out a a silly bracket, don't you gotta think, like, hey, maybe this isn't so silly if 11 million people are obsessed with it and March is automatically referred to with March Madness. I mean, that it's just I think it's I think it's more fun than the Super Bowl, honestly. All of this packed in. Oh, one. I completely agree. Absolutely. Because the Super Bowl is just one day. This is stretched out for three weekends of just pure awesomeness. And uh here's it, I I want to get your take on this real quick before I forget. Um do you think Jabari Park will come back now? No. I don't I don't think he was ever in it really for the championship he was the freshman of the year in the ACC he led the team in points and rebounds he did all he needed to do to uh, do as much as he could for his draft stock he's not going to risk anything he's a guaranteed top three top four pick I mean what else is he going to do besides come back and maybe get hurt next year and just ruin everything so there's I'm, I'm going to put that at about maybe 10 percent for the Shashevsky difference yeah I I just think that's such a shame, you know, like, because first of all, we've been saying this all year, but imagine what he would have done with Michigan State. First mm. of all, I mean, mm. not not mm. to not to pour salt in the in the wounds, but come on, that's that would have been, and if you th- if you don't think that that would have would have really solidified him as one of the as top of this draft class, then I think you're out of your mind because. That, that would. Sorry, I'm watching. I'm watching the UConn Villanova game right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Villanova's down six, and, uh, and they just got a steal and uh, put back. Sorry, back to uh, back to my job. Um, I just, I just wish that he would come back for another year and and take take it personally. You know what I mean? For him to. 
and I understand the reasoning behind it, but on a selfish level, don't doesn't he want to say, you know, I didn't get all that I wanted out of this. You, if that's if that's my last game in college, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth forever. I mean, that's not he spent one year there. He lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then just okay, see ya. That would that would eat at me, I think. Well, I mean, look at Marcus Smart. He came back for his second year. That's one one thing you could look at to say if if you think there's any chance of him coming back is seeing how Marcus Smart came back. And I don't think it really hurt his stock that much. I think he dropped a little bit maybe from the uh, suspension issue, and he had a couple, you know, okay, just okay uh, performances. But overall, I don't think it really did anything bad to him, and he probably might have even gotten better as a player. I think... I, I think he definitely got better as a player. I think he might have lost some draft stock because he did turn out to be such a psychopath. But um, it's, like I said, it's just, and not a lot of guys come in ready to go after their freshman year. You think about Kevin Durant's been good, but what is he now, 26, something like that, 28 maybe? So he's really hit his peak now. So the only difference is from from a from an NBA team if I'm an if I'm a if I'm an NBA uh, GM, good lord, easy for me to say. Um why why don't I why do I want to get this guy right away when I'm going to have to pay him basically to develop instead of leaving him down in the college ranks to work on that same development only you know for free except somebody else has to pay for his college i i don't i don't see the reason for that well especially with the jabari parker case he's got arguably the best coach in college basketball to help him grow even more and if you think about it this is the most loaded draft class since 2003 they're saying so, I mean, if he sits out next, the next year, barring any injuries or anything, he's probably a lock for the number one. And right now, do you really want to go to Milwaukee if you're Jabari Parker? Nobody wants to go to Milwaukee. No, exactly. So, I mean, waiting another year wouldn't be so bad, but then again, money, 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 you know he's going to be making the big bucks right away, and that's that's really the main thing that, um, I mean, even if I were in those shoes, it's so hard to pass at millions of dollars at age 19 or 20, whatever he is right now, versus going to school and studying and working really hard at Duke, which is a phenomenal school, or you could just be living large, making money, and playing basketball. Yeah, and and that's why I, I, I'd never, I'll never begrudge anybody for, for going early to the NBA because, you know, it's a money, it's a money-driven system. And, and I, like I said, you say either you can come back and, do more economics homework or you can make a million dollars a year i'm gonna take the million dollars thank you um and and i know that you know athletes playing careers aren't you know it's not sustainable for an extremely long period of time but i don't know like i said i think it would just it would bother me to to play to supposedly be one of the best players in the nation and then lose to Mercer in the first round of the NCAA tournament when it's really my time to shine. Mm-hmm. And, well, they just didn't really have a lot of chemistry going on, just not playing together. 
that much and and really this, that's kind of like the Kentucky effect too they had a very disappointing season for that same reason and another thing is those te- those players are thinking about the NBA not necessarily thinking about playing as a team and trying to get that championship and I think that's going to be the problem for any any team that has a one and done no matter how good the coaching is there's always going to be that aspect in the back of that player's mind that he's going to maybe take the shot for himself versus maybe pass it, t- making that extra pass just to look a little bit better for the NBA, and that's going to hurt the team overall. You just brought up Kentucky, so I want to ask you, uh, do you think they can beat Wichita State? I think they can, but they won't. Wichita State's the hottest team in the nation. They're underrated, even though they're a one seed, and I just don't think Kentucky is really that good. I think they're overrated. Well, I think Mercer just showed... I think that's a that's a blueprint for for this game. I think that can go a lot uh, in a large way. It will go in the same direction as that Mercer game, because you have all that experience on Wichita State, and you've got this cohesiveness. Whereas Kentucky, you've got a, just a whole bunch of athletes, and and like you said earlier, you're I'm going to take team over athleticism pretty much every every single day of the week. Um, but I don't think Wichita State can beat Louisville. Even though Louisville looked not great against Manhattan, that's for sure. Um, and but they they did what they needed to do against St. Louis, and and I just I I think Louisville's too good, and I think that it helps that uh, Rick Pitino is El Diablo. Um, <laughs> but it uh, I just I don't know. It's so tough to call right now because of all the insanity that's gone on, and. Dayton being in the sweet or in the round of 32 is is unbelievable, and I guess yeah they're in the sweet 16. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There you go. I I don't think I I'm so excited for Joel Embiid to come back because if he comes back, my bracket is gonna look so smart. But if he doesn't and he's not effective when he comes back, then I'm an idiot because that was my that was my shock and awe pick was putting them in my final four I, I i switched that around on one of my brackets i talked myself out of arizona and i talked myself out of florida and i talked myself into oklahoma state in kansas so we saw that oklahoma mm-hmm. state pick worked yeah, out that was good yeah oh god and that's such a nothing game too like i don't want to root against gonzaga but ugh, stupid stupid <laughs> stupid um all right, so one thing that I forget about every year watching the tournament and before it starts, I want to touch on this before we get out of here. They need a new system for the commercials because I watch a million basketball games a day, which equates to about 15 million commercials, and it's the same, like, two dozen over and over. Oh, my God. I was thinking this exact same <laughs> thing. It is just... Oh, and those those Buffalo Wild Wings ones for the overtime, that's just getting annoying. Those Buffalo Wild Wings ones stunk before, Mm. and now that I'm getting beat over the head with them, it's miserable. And that Chris Webber commercial stinks. Oh, my gosh. That is the worst. Oh, it it doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. Oh, man, it's so bad. And the only thing, let's see, I just... Why is Chris Webber wearing his own jersey? What a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody does that. That's just that, that's that's nitpicking. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg on this <laughs> on this stupid commercial. But the other 
if I hear the Cruncher Muncher theme song one more time, oh. I'm going to burn down a subway. I might be put on a list for saying that. But, <laughs> like, you can't subject me to that 15 times a day and not expect me to lose my mind. <sighs> I think the Buffalo Wild Wings ones are the worst. With that like coach guy coming in at the end, oh, it's just... Just stop. Think, get creative. Think of something else. I've seen those. It's been they've been on for months and months and months before this. You'd think they'd come out with at least something new for the tournament. Well, like I said, all I'm proposing, I don't need them. I don't need a new commercial, a new set of commercials every day. All I'm asking is that before the tournament starts, we have a batch of like I don't know, sixty commercials. We want we run twenty one weekend, twenty the next, twenty the last one, and then. I don't lose my mind because right now I'm quoting commercials. Like I'm talking through them as they go. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's just insufferable. And the only thing that makes it okay is that I haven't seen a lot of flow from Progressive because if flow was on my TV <laughs> too much more, I think I would stop watching the tournament. Flow from Progressive is the worst thing that has ever happened to television, and I can't even come up with a close second. Whoever runs the advertising. Uh, section of progressive should be fired and deported i cannot believe the crap that they turn out it is unbelievable oh my goodness all right we're getting off on a tangent here now but <laughs> i just I, feel, I i watch like i said i've been watching basketball all weekend so i'm starting to take my commercials very seriously and the fact that oh man i just can't watch i can't watch the same commercial that many times i don't like watching any commercials however i will give lowe's a lot of credit because the one with the guy hanging tile in his uh shower that's funny to me every yeah. single time <laughs> that's and then have you seen the one where he's doing the uh, ceiling fan yeah that's another good one <laughs> that, that that that's just good it, you know commercial's good when you kind of laugh at it a little bit every single time even though you know what's mm -hmm. going to happen it's like the 10th time you've seen it yeah it's just it's a little bit of a chuckle it's not you know, laugh out loud funny because it's just a commercial, but it's clever. And I imagine someone actually being in that situation and it makes it even more funny. Um, what's the other one that I was thinking of? Um, oh, it's the one? I think it's an AT&T commercial. Oh, that, those some tech guys, support guys? Those tech guys. And no. The, and the guy, the the only one that I like is the, the guy in the do-rag shows up and goes, <laughs> guys hiring? Do you know blah, 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 blah? No. Is that a deal breaker? Kind of. All right. <laughs> hey, shot in the dark. Can I get a job working with you smart guys? No. Okay. See you later. Just one of those uh, dumb and dumber type moments. Yeah. That's... Then the one where he tries the pickup line, uh, did it hurt when you <laughs> that, fell from heaven? <laughs> that one's kind of painful. <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, not bad. Oh, man. I just... I'm so excited that we get to go through what eight more games tomorrow, and then I don't know. I think I I'm just gonna watch reruns all Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because I just can't get enough of this stuff. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Michigan State's chances right now. I feel I'm way too comfortable. Yeah, and I think that's that's my big problem. I think Virginia's gonna surprise a few people. And we're going to have to really, really fight 
uh, in that game if if they end up moving on. Memphis doesn't scare me as much, but I've seen Virginia play a couple times this year, and they just look really good, but they're just not really getting that much attention for it, which scares me even more. Just to update you real quick, I mean, you've already... By the time you've probably heard this, you've probably seen the score, but Nova lost to Connecticut tonight, which means my bracket is completely and totally useless. Absolutely just 100% not worth even looking at anymore. I have never been so disgusted with myself in the picks that I've made this year, but I think I said the same thing last year. Um, UConn's kind of UConn has a shot here. They've they've got a uh, they they'd have to play the winner of uh, UNC Iowa State. George's kneeing for uh, Iowa State out with a broken foot. That's huge. That that you don't know how Iowa State's going to even recover from that, and you don't know who what UNC team is going to show up. Connecticut they looked really good when I was watching a little bit of this game, uh, and then. Then it happens where they get destroyed by 40 points by Louisville. Uh, I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen because it's March, but Shabazz Napier, 25 points. He's probably the best point guard in the nation right now. He will not let that team lose. That's what I, uh, I was watching a little bit of it tonight, um, just bouncing back and forth between that and the Michigan State game. And he straight up will not let that team lose. And I'm I've always been pretty impressed with Shabazz Napier. I think uh, I think he's one heck of a ball player. But uh, man, it's uh, I just I can't handle so much. This. Like, <laughs> it's just every single day I start start off with a noon heart attack, and then it usually cools down around 4:30, and then else something else ramps up. Michigan State is tied with Harvard in the second half at about nine o'clock. So of course I gotta take some more heart medication then it's just oh my ugh, it's terrible but i wouldn't want it any other way Mm-mm. this is this is the best time of the year all right so that'll do us that'll do it for us this week we'll be back next week uh probably about the same time imagine we'll uh we'll let michigan state hopefully make it through the sweet 16 and elite eight and we'll come back and and talk about that if not we'll come back and we can all have a good cry together but uh, keep watching, and uh, if you ever have, if you ever want to tell us how, or tell me how dumb I am, and and how great Blake is, you can uh, tweet at me at isonhaze22 or at bfrolling, F-R-O-L-I-N-G. Correct, Blake? That is correct. Uh, those are our Twitter handles. Let us know just how awful your bracket is too. Uh, and yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, this has been the Impact Is Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes with Blake Froling. Go green. Oh man, my dad must be just in a state right now with Villanova losing. <laughs> <laughs>